0: Broadcasting live from Business Radio X Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals, improving performance to drive business results.
1: Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you for this very special edition. We have in the studio with us also from our good friends at Training Pros, Ms. Leanne Langford. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. So get us caught up. What are you guys up to?
0: Oh, well, you know we're up to something in Dallas soon, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Lee and I are looking forward to that trip, but I think we booked flights yesterday, didn't we? Yep. We are ready to go.
0: Exciting. Well, so, you know, we have our ongoing free webinars that we offer, and our next one coming up is Thursday the 21st, April 21st at 4 o'clock Eastern, Um, and it's got a very funny name. It's called Robots Are Eating the Building narrative for increased engagement and so it's all about the power of stories and narratives in training so this would be really interesting for instructional designers out there
1: now you've been at this webinar thing for a while now uh Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about the the thinking behind providing them and what kind of results that you've that you've experienced
0: well, so, you know, there are, we've been doing them about a year and a half, like you said, every month. And, and you're, not,
1: you're not charging a fee for these things? No,
0: these are free. Okay. Um, we only have seats for 100 people, but then we record it as it's going on nice. and put it on our website for later use. So it's just really nice way to give, have a give back to not only our clients and their employees, but to our consultants that do the work. They get these free webinars that are keeping them current, keeping their skills up. And then they can also come to us with webinar topics and conduct them for their own professional development. All
1: right. And so, what's the path to sign up for the next one and to go look at some of these archived uh, webinars? What's the path to get to this stuff? Uh,
0: so, you just go to the training pros.com website. And on the right, they have a webinars link on the right hand side. Just go there and take a look. We have a year and a half worth of free webinars out there plus registration for this one.
1: And is there some special dispensation one might get if they specifically mentioned Leanne sent me?
0: Yes. They'll get a <laughs> phone call from me.
2: <laughs> That's worth it right there. <laughs>
0: Well, once
1: again, you've brought someone for us to visit with, and uh, we make a point of, of archiving these episodes as well, but I enjoy the live broadcast so much and just the, the energy in the room when we get a chance to, to visit with these learning and development professionals. Uh, Lee, I don't think this segment is going to be uh, any exception at all. Please join us in welcoming to the broadcast with Schumacher Electric, Mr. Scott ferraro how
2: are you man
3: i'm doing great good morning how are you
2: doing well thanks for coming wonderful can you share a little bit about schumacher what are you guys up
3: to sure so uh, i'll give you a little bit of history on schumacher electric uh we're about a 70 year old company uh, founded right outside of chicago illinois uh by don schumacher's father if you're not familiar with don schumacher he is uh very involved with nhra drag strip racing um Uh, But his father actually founded the company as a transformer company, and we quickly evolved into the world's largest retail battery charging, maintaining, and testing manufacturer. So that's what Schumacher Electric um, stands for. That's what we do, and that's a little bit about who we are, about a 70-year-old company. So
1: how did you get involved with this company? Did you have a real job before this, or was this the first one?
3: No, I actually have had uh, uh, many real jobs, as as many in your audience probably have had, uh, over the the last 25 or so years. But now I uh, I have a traditional background in uh, the automotive aftermarket. And uh, the current position I hold, uh, I have responsibilities for Napa Auto Parts. Uh, They are the largest traditional retail distributor uh, in the country. And I call on that business. And I have quite a bit of experience with that business, have worked for many of their vendors in the past. And actually work for them as well on the distribution side. So I do have some experience in the area of uh, of as uh, being a vendor for a large distributor.
2: And
1: the question on everyone's mind: What is Michael Waltrip really like?
3: No comment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it, that's one of the perks, right? You get to drive the cars periodically on the track.
3: I only drive it when the boss is, <laughs> of course. Otherwise, he charges me.
2: Is there any perks like that? Any NASCAR kind of goodies?
3: Yeah. So we're, uh, you know, that is. Those are some of the benefits we do have being involved with Schumacher Electric. We we have uh, access uh, to a lot of um, uh, benefits, features that uh, most other manufacturers don't have access to. We're involved in NASCAR. We're also involved heavily uh, in the NHR um, race world. So yeah, we we have access to drivers. Uh, they p- potentially could have appearances at some of our Napa events. Um, they'll do signings. We also have access to uh, Mr. Schumacher, signings for Mr. Schumacher, and uh, show cars, things of that nature. My customers also could potentially enjoy tickets, race packages, promotions, things of that nature, all built around. Uh, the race side of our business. Your so, customers
1: yeah. and your media buddies
2: enjoy these things you were describing. Is that we?
1: All had? of a sudden, I'm finding I have <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, lot more friends, friends, a lot, right? A right? A lot before, more
3: friends. Right before I walked in the door.
2: Now your background. Is, um, you mentioned the uh, aftermarket, but it's also sales. You have some sales background as well. Correct.
3: Correct. Yeah, I've I've traditionally been involved in sales, marketing, business development, uh, in the aftermarket, um, working traditionally with NAPA and their, um, their customers helping to drive sales and and, and uh, grow their business and their market share.
2: Now, how, what is your take on the lens, like looking at sales through a training kind of perspective?
3: Yeah, it's uh, so as Leanne and, and I spoke about uh, the potential of developing a training module, and actually prior to our visit today, uh, we talked about training and how I personally view it, how important it is in sales capacity uh, training for me really equals sales right so for me uh, i'm one person with a large piece of business and how am i going to multiply my efforts it's through training really it's through training people who can multiply my efforts in right. the field i can't be in you can't be everywhere 70 right. or 80 places at one time so i really need to use training in multiple as multiple, a point of leverage absolutely for you, right yeah if, if If the the people who help me sell my products are educated and knowledgeable, that just helps increase their opportunity to sell more and our in the long run our opportunity to sell more as well.
2: Now, can you walk us through what that looks like? Like when you have maybe some new product comes out, how do you educate your market and and inform them about what's going on and allow them to be effective kind of? versions of you out there, you know, talking to the customer.
3: Absolutely. So it's, it's never just uh it's never just a you single. You can't send
2: them a sheet of paper and go here, we're no, doing this
3: now, no, right? No, uh, we <laughs> didn't even know we had paper until earlier. <laughs> <of that point. laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> Everything's all digital and electronic. Uh-huh. Thanks, Leon. <laughs> but no, so it's, it's really multifaceted, right? That's one component of it. Um, uh, a piece of paper because, because people learn and absorb information in different ways, right. right? So visually, uh, some people like to read it. Some people like you to have you walk them through or the watch a video or something video. right so um, for me, it's really it, it's developing all those types of media for for who I'd like to train.
2: So you make kind of like a media package for whoever you're
3: training. It depends on on the product, it depends right. on what I'm trying to train. Really the best way I've found that I can multiply my efforts is is by being in the field and working with those who are going to sell the product. Right. Since we're a real touchy feely type of product, it's a battery charger, so you really have to <laughs> get comfortable with it cuz people get nervous with sparking and arcing around <laughs> right. a, around the vehicle. So, um so really the best way that I've found I can train efficiently is to be in the field. But I also train through media, through training modules like Training Pros helped us develop. That just helps us get all our stuff out there in mm-hmm. multiple different ways.
2: Do you, Can you share a story? Maybe you were able to do that and you got uh, results that were better than you expected?
3: Sure. So really, uh, I'd say about a year or so ago, we had some... Uh, technological changes that we implemented in some of our wheel charging units. Um, and how often do those happen? They don't happen all that often unless technology has changed, uh, has or, changed, right? right? So, so
2: now here, this is something big has happened. So now we got to educate a bunch of people and it's
3: kind of important, right? Absolutely. So uh, a couple things happened to cause us to make this change. First, the battery industry has changed. So the original equipment manufacturers, for GM, Chrysler, you name it, made some changes to their technology. So we, as a manufacturer of products that have to maintain that technology, we need to keep up with the times as well. So technology changed with the original equipment manufacturers, but also legislation changed as well. So if laws change, we need to change with those laws and
2: the laws are typically around materials or the laws laws?
3: uh this particular law is around energy efficiency and it's a california standard law Mm -hmm. we sell to napa napa's in all 50 states so we need to be california compliant in all 50 states even if it's just a single state regulation
2: oh so that and that because of the size of the california market you have to do it if you have to do it for them you might as well do it for everybody
3: absolutely what happens in the napa system is a product can be ordered in through let's say florida and then one of the distribution centers in california may pull that product right. from florida it all needs to be california to be. compliant or they can't right. sell it so we need to make those changes as well so those two changes caused uh, us to change our technology right. a year ago one to handle the new technologies from the original equipment manufacturer and two to handle the California um, legislation and to be in compliance with them. So with that said, the um, the changes we had to make from a technological perspective um, really took our customers by surprise. Uh, chargers are traditionally manual, meaning uh, a human interacts, they program it, they hook it up, and they then decide when it shuts down.
2: Right. Their work is done at that point. Right, <laughs> right.
3: So what we've done is we've we've made some technological changes. So these things are pretty automatic. Now you plug it in and there's no human interaction. It's all microprocessor, computer chip driven. Well, the industry we work in is slow to change. They don't love change. Not many people do, but unfortunately we have to, we have to keep up with the times. Right. So to efficiently handle those changes, we made changes to our units. Uh, the end user did not quite understand those changes. So
2: like for your, from your end, it looked look, we're helping and it's intuitive and it's easier. And then for them, it's like, what are you doing? I know how to do it the other way, (laughs) right?
3: Absolutely. And (laughs) in their defense, we did not do a good job of communicating those changes.
2: And I bet that's a a key tenant in future learnings, right? Absolutely. Communicate, communicate, and then communicate some more.
3: No question. So when I took over this piece of business, uh, that is one of the first uh, uh, items on my agenda was to correct that action. And that was the communication piece. So from there, um, we had to uh, send out a piece of paper, a document that we created that explained the current situation and the changes we made and why we made them. Right. Then we had meetings throughout the country with our sales group, which is the Napa Tool and Equipment Group. There's 75, 80 of them. They multiply my efforts sure. in the field. That's who we use to sell our products. So we had to help educate them so they could continue to educate their customers. So what we saw... As a result of that type of training and communication, was our alleged defects uh, went down to almost nothing, and our tech service calls were almost at zero, where they were very high for those three products, uh, three product SKUs in our offering. So the 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 communication and the training that we implemented implemented dramatically reduced our returns. It was a matter of education, communication. Right, the product was fine. It was not a
2: product problem. It was a communication problem.
3: Majority of the product we we (laughs) saw come back in the door tested exactly as we had programmed the units to work. It was just a misunderstanding between how the technology was operating and what the customer expected.
2: Now, how important was the why of it? Like, we're not doing this just because we feel like, you know... Scott know,
1: thinks it's a good idea
2: right yeah. but it, right. it was like I'm in charge you know no. like right because sometimes the customer thinks like oh great here's another Here upgrade go I gotta right. buy once again absolutely right you know you got to kind
3: of manage that right and and they understand that manufacturers the original equipment manufacturers we discussed earlier will make those changes um but they don't like them no one likes them we've mm-hmm. gone from a, a traditional, Uh, heavy mechanical industry now it's very technical it's all electronic you have to have scan tools Uh, these onboard computers there's hundreds of them that run your sensors and your backup cameras and all your add-ons your creature comfort so there are so many things that have changed they see them happening but they still want things to be the same so communication and helping them understand why we made the changes is critical once they understand Okay, well, the law changed. I understand you need to make that change. I don't like it, right? But that makes sense. But it makes it right. makes sense to me. Uh, and also, the original equipment manufacturers—they change the battery chemistry. So guess we what? Need to change <laughs> Some as things well. have to change, right. right? So otherwise, in the long run, it will cost them more money, customers, time, things that no one can afford to lose. Now,
2: so. what about is this a generational thing? Like, are you finding the younger generation like because they're they're growing up in an area where. Look, I get a new phone every year and like I am used to changing stuff and I'll yeah, you know, I'll sure. kind of figure it out on the fly. And then an older generation that's like, look, I remember when there was a rotary phone and the, mm. I, I wish we'd go back to that.
3: Absolutely. No, I think that's right. So, you know, someone who's worked on a carbureted vehicle in the seventies and early eighties and now they're working on an electronically driven vehicle. Right. it's um, a whole, it's, it's a, it's a whole, new world, right? A, and it's 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 change. It's very dramatic, I think, for um, the more tenured, the more mature type of customers in this industry but those who have continued to find a way to evolve and keep up and kind of be times, a lifelong
2: learner and it, it, it's almost a mindset right
3: it's it's a mindset you have to embrace that the change is going to happen right it happened in it happened with air conditioning and vehicles it happens with so many things right and those who continue to evolve and ad- adapt and adopt that mentality and embrace that change, they're very successful. Some still fight it, uh, and they always. <laughs> but do you will. have to
2: change the learning for the older generation as opposed to the younger generation?
3: You know, that's an interesting question. So, I I, I don't think, I don't think personally training is a generational thing. I think it's it's a personal thing, right? I think. As so just like an attitude.
2: Earlier. I'm a lifelong learner. It doesn't matter if I'm 60 or from 20. If right. I have that attitude, I'm gonna just jump in and I'm gonna just try to figure it out and, and learn, if, right?
3: Absolutely. If I can pop open a training module right. and I can view this, and or if someone's gonna stand in front of the room and allow me to interact with them and see And I'll be that open way, to that open and not
2: just that. like, look, I, I like it the way it used to be. So anything you say, I'm gonna absolutely. ignore anyway.
3: So I won't stereotype older generation versus newer because everybody's learning style is different.
2: Well,
1: I I feel like you're being pretty modest when you describe it as it's just a little miscommunication that I cleaned up one afternoon. I I, because it's it occurs to me that this this thing has several layers, could become very complex, it could become a house of, of mirrors. Is one key strategy go back to meeting all of those learning styles and just making sure that you have the learning in all these different media? Is that something you would advocate? Like as like plan A?
3: Yeah. So for me, um, I would say that creating learning with multiple types of media—YouTube videos, training modules, audio—is uh, the most important. Audio yeah, is the
1: best. That's the best. Today, That's it's common. a priority for me. <laughs>
3: audio, especially. Uh, no, but I think I think um, having all that type of media at your disposal and providing it um, to anybody who needs it in a certain fashion is critical. Some of the the people I work with just read the bulletin they absorb it and they love it others don't quite get it until I'm working with them one on one in the field so it is very important to create all that media and have it uh when you go into some sort of training i i agree with that
2: now but doesn't that put a lot of pressure on the you know training and development staff that you have to everything yeah, but you're doing I'm in sales, but so. it's job security so <laughs> yeah it's job security
3: to... no i will say so our marketing team is extremely overwhelmed um you know i i I'm responsible for a large customer, but we at Schumacher have a lot of large customers from Walmart to AutoZone to right. Napa to O'Reilly, you name it. We we are a large uh, manufacturer for a large retail audience uh, in the world. So we our, our marketing department handles a lot, and we ask a lot of them, but they're fantastic about uh, being extremely creative creating what we need as long as we give them a reasonable timetable in which we we hope to expect that material so we do put a lot of of um, requests and demands on them but they do a wonderful job managing it and get us what we need when we need it they understand it's critical to us
2: now is there any sharing of the learning across like if you come up with something good for NAPA, can the Walmart team go, hey, can we borrow some of that?
3: Yeah, I don't want them to, but they sure <laughs> do. As a matter of <laughs> fact, the training module that, uh, that Leanne developed for us at NAPA, um, we hope to quote unquote reskin that module because right now it's napa for my specific right. customer. But we have the guts of what we'd like to uh, make a Schumacher training module. Um, because we believe it's a pretty good module and it speaks to... It could be repurposed in different... Absolutely, right. because it really speaks to a few specific NAPA products, but generally it talks to the business, the industry, the changes right. we're, we've gone through, uh, and really it starts at the basics with what is a battery, how it's changed, and what it does. So we do want to repurpose that training module to run across all Schumacher business. Now, what's
2: your take on Tesla and the popularity of that? How does that impact anything you guys are doing, or is that a?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. So I'd say probably once or twice a month I get calls um, in regards to, do you have uh, a tester or a charger for an electric vehicle? And right now the answer is no, and the reason is it's it's an economies of scale. The the industry is just not large enough for us to be successful and to be profitable. in right now there's some opportunity, but the reason people come to us is because those um, products that are offered by the electric vehicle, vehicle manufacturers are extremely expensive mm-hmm. um, and rightfully so. Uh, the, because
2: they have the same economies of scale.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> right. And they're, they're Challenges, the manufacturer, right? right? Exactly. So they're like, you need to come back to us for <laughs> right. your needs. And we get <laughs> that. Uh, so it's
2: not mature enough industry not mature at this point? enough
3: at, at this point for us to even get into it because it is really technologically advanced and you need a, a fair amount of engineers to start creating but products. it
2: must be encouraging when you see some a tesla like a few hundred thousand kind of sales opportunities yeah in like at, a couple of days you it seems like that's the trend right
3: no question those vehicles are lasting and they do need products to charge and maintain and to right. test them and hopefully for a very long period of time so i think my gut feeling is as that grows, if it grows, but I do see it continuing to grow. I see lots of Teslas running around. We um, that'll be something we get into. Mm-hmm. But it, it will probably take a little bit more than one. It's we just are not right mature not today, mature enough right now for but us. But maybe
2: five years from
3: now might be another it's a story. possibility. Absolutely, it's a possibility.
1: So clearly one day the answer to his question is going to be yes. Walk us through what that would look like. So it's it's four and a half years from now to someone in a tie come to you and say, okay, we're ready to pull the trigger. Or are you kind of pushing the guys and the, and ladies in the ties two years from now to say, Hey, let's stay on top of that. what does that process look like on the front end? Yes.
3: Yeah, so believe it or not, we have a wonderful cultural culture at Schumacher. Okay. We, we in the field have, have a good pulse on what's going on with the industry, with the customers, what their needs are. And we have a very, um, very strategic process at Schumacher where we suggest or request product development. So we suggest an idea, give some idea of volume. Uh, what does it look like? Is there anything like it in the industry right now?
1: Um, You're and- expected. You're not just allowed. You're kind of expected or there are there are a lot of different people from different parts of the company are expected and obliged to provide this value of yes looking around the corner yes a bit.
3: yes yes absolutely because that's how we grow our business because because if we think about our business today it's it we, we manufacture battery chargers but for example we have just gotten in the consumer electronics side of the business it's a huge market uh and i'm talking about uh, mobile phone chargers okay mobile phone accessories things of that wow. nature so we're getting into that business so that's as well.
2: very different though
3: right very different but it's still same premise, right? S-
2: same premise, but now you're going to the customer, and there's everybody has multiple, you know, Absolutely. several phones huge in their household, right? right?
3: Huge challenge, but huge opportunity because everybody carries that stuff. But right. getting back to your question, sorry, yeah. So we are obliged and expected to provide new product opportunities, but then there's a huge process that it goes through because with multiple pieces of business in in uh, multiple industries, the products are pretty um, different and unique based on the category. So Walmart may have a different need than um, let's say uh, Lowe's or Menards may have a different uh, requirement than Napa. So products are a little bit different and sometimes we try and, and streamline the process and make that product available to everywhere, but sometimes it doesn't fit everywhere. So the, the process is a little stringent because then we, we get engineering devol- involved and we create it from an engineering perspective. We do modeling. Um, we adjust the models. Then from there, we create tooling and then we go into manufacturing. So it's, it's a very involved, expensive process to develop new products that are somewhat outside and unique to what we do as our cores. Right.
1: Well, I have a, uh, I think it's a related kind of cultural leadership question, if you will. With that kind of environment where innovation is in, encouraged and kind of, you know, thinking forward like that, what do you do with good ideas that for whatever reason aren't ready for commercialization so you got to find a good way to say no but you don't want to you, you don't want to throw a wet blanket over scott because he's he, he's smart and he's bright and he's innovative and he may come up with a multi-billion dollar idea next week but we're not going to come right like the time how do you not treat right that culturally
3: right it's a that's a good question so for us at, at schumacher uh they say no to a lot because we, we <laughs> and the reason they do that is we ask a lot um and maybe it's we have a great sales team. We never stop coming up with ideas. Everybody continues to bring stuff to the table. And sometimes it's capacity. Sometimes it's it's we just don't have by capacity. I mean we don't have we don't have the mindshare right now. We don't have the engineers. We don't have um, maybe the opportunities. It's just a minimum run. Maybe it's it's five thousand pieces and not fifty thousand pieces. So we understand there's a lot of scrutiny that goes into the development of these products and we understand it's very time consuming and expensive from a sales perspective, but we keep bringing the opportunities because it's encouraged and even if they say no, it's not, you know, no, that wasn't a very good idea, it's no, and this is why. So, you know, Schumacher does a good job of explaining to us why it's not right at the time. So we get it's not no, you're not very bright and that's not a (laughs) good idea. Um, We may get some of that and, and we come up with some pretty crazy off the wall stuff sometimes but uh they do a good job of explaining from a business perspective why it doesn't make sense at the time so yeah but at they,
1: least for me and I'm sure Lee feels the same way even in our little company wouldn't you like to have uh, that type of culture where you you get th- that innovation and you have an an easy way to say no but that, but in such a way that it doesn't shut them down right I, mean, I think that kind of culture is to be envied
3: it is and and i i feel fortunate to be here right i didn't get this isn't the first run on, i'm you know <laughs> I had many opportunities that I went through from a career perspective to get here, and I had plenty of those opportunities previously where new ideas and suggestions were not only um, not appreciated, but not really welcome. So I feel fortunate to be in a situation where I'm with an organization that wants to grow. We want to be this global monster. We want to be even more of an industry leader that we are. And it does take new ideas, and it does take creativity, and it does take... Uh, time and money and resources to build that. And, uh, we're fortunate that Mr. Schumacher has an interest in doing that. So, so it is, it is, it is, um, uh, a wonderful feeling to be part of an organization that appreciates that from their team.
2: Yeah. And kudos to them for, um, having that culture of a seven-year-old company. A lot of seven-year-old companies kind of rest on their go, <laughs> right. look We got this we figured out figured this
3: out already. So you are a hundred percent right on that. No, they, it, you're right. A lot of, uh, you know, you think about Silicon Valley. A lot of the the tech companies they're all about creating new ideas, and it's the Wild West still in that industry. Every day, it's something new. But for an established manufacturer um, in an established
2: right, look company, when you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. You know when you have something,
3: you got <laughs> everything, everything to lose. lose. <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And uh, not only um, not only are we you know an established organization, but our product category is very well established. Right. It's not not anything new. So. So yeah, it's it's nice to to have that um, from Schumacher.
1: Well, kind of in the same vein I think, very early at the top of the program, you mentioned something about collaborating with Leanne on a, on a few things. This mindset of of not being totally in control and being willing to bring people in who have certain kinds of expertise to collaborate with you that too makes all the sense in the world to me when I see it written down or mentioned, but it's not always the case, particularly in mature companies, right?
3: Well, very true. Right. So, and we'll go back to something I mentioned earlier. Our marketing department is extremely stressed. They're very overwhelmed and they're very good at some things. And honestly, they don't have the capacity right now to, to, um, learn what, you know, training pros has experience in. So we just said it makes sense to, to explore opportunities with a third party for us and uh Napa was first to say well you need to go to training pros call Leanne she will get you taken care of and um and it's been a great experience they were unbelievable and and I'm not just saying that because she's in the room but, (laughs) but our expectations were met um way over and above what they really were uh the timeline was tight and they 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 met our expectations so we're very pleased with what um they provided and and we're you know, we're willing to look on the outside if we're stressed internally because we knows we know it 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 is vital to our business.
1: You guys should write a, a book on culture, or maybe you should. I, no, I'm serious. I mean, do you hear everything that he's describing? Right. Just just what life is like in this organization. I, I gotta ask you before we before we wrap. What's next for you that you're allowed and willing to share?
3: Oh, uh, me personally, or me the organization. Yes, and yes. Oh, so uh, me personally. Well, as Leanne and I were discussing earlier, you know, I'm very uh, obviously I've I've talked highly of Schumacher. I'm very happy here. Uh, love what I do, love my customer, believe it or not. Um, so there's I, an
1: idea. There's a, somebody write that, that, that down helps. as a like, you know, a, right.
3: Uh, <laughs> uh so I, I, I really enjoy, um, the partnership I have with Napa. They do, um, wonderful things. Uh, and you know, for me, from a personal and, and professional standpoint, you know, my goal is to just continue to help them grow. When I help them grow, we grow as well. Uh, continue to grow their market share come up with new creative innovate, innovative products and ideas for them to uh, to take to the market and grow their market share and training is a big part of that I cannot stress that enough to me I'll, I'll one of the things I'll, I'll end with uh, sales to me uh, training equals sales if you do not have an educated sales force especially in my product line in my product category I'm not going to sell stuff and that's the bottom line
1: I can't think of a better way to wrap the segment than that. Well, it has been such a delight. it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Well, I hope we'll do it again sometime. Come back and see us, will you? I'm available. All right. Until then, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our producer, Ryan Redhawk-McPherson, our good friends at Training Pros, and everyone here in the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights.